Whoa, everything is real. I'm Natalie D. I'm Drew Toothpaste. And Bigfoot is absolutely real. Bigfoot is real. Yeah. I mean, do you really feel like Bigfoot is real? Well, we're going to get to that. For those who didn't hear, several years ago, we did a Garbage Brain coverage of Bigfoot, and we talked about the basics of Bigfoot. If you want to hear more about the facts of Bigfoot, you know, the measurements, the statistics, the hard data. You can go back a few years, dig out our Bigfoot episode. It's something called Bigfoot Made Me Cry, something like I that. I think it was a government plan to scare poor people and measure how much they pee. I think that's what it was called. That was the Mothman episode. Oh, okay. Well, not yeah, it's called Bigfoot. <laughs> But Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call him. Right. What do you feel about Bigfoot? Do you have any, like, feelings going into this discussion? Do you have any prejudices against Bigfoot? I feel like Bigfoot, for most people, the coverage of Bigfoot is the most well-known cryptid. The coverage of Bigfoot is iconic. I feel like there's dozens of brands that use a Bigfoot or something like that to symbolize their brand. And I feel like the idea idea of Bigfoot has maybe gotten a little bit co-opted. It's kind of baby's first question mark about the world. Right, right. I feel like I'm a bit of a connoisseur when it comes to weird stuff. I like all of it. Like, I want to read about the ghosts. I want to read about the aliens and UFOs. And I want to read about all the different stuff, right? I've been to all of it. I think everything is a little bit real, which is like kind of what this whole project is, right? But I feel like Bigfoot is like the bottom of the barrel in terms of the quality of, of content you get for Bigfoot. Like, there's not as many people participating in it, first off. There's not as many people, like, creating theories and this and that. Like, if you want to go in, you can get some wild shit from people talking about aliens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the people who are involved in the Bigfoot scene seem to be, like, they just want to go out in the woods and be like, would you, did you hear that? <laughs> I would say that the area of paranormal investigations where you just ask each other, did you hear that, is my least favorite. I've never liked it. Now, we went ghost hunting. We've gone ghost hunting before. Everybody constantly asking each other, did you hear that? Number one, I can't hear shit because y'all are talking. And number two, I can't hear that well. I actually have hearing loss. And I didn't know until after we had done this that right. I actually have hearing loss. So I could never hear anything. I was like, you guys, I don't hear shit. Well, well, here's the thing is that at this particular juncture in my life, I don't particularly believe in like hauntings in like a uh, intelligent haunting sense. But when you do ghost hunts, it is such a vibe. Like you're hanging out somewhere that is extremely dope and you just kind of like pick up vibes, man. I don't ever go and expect anything in specific, but if something happens and you're like, ooh, freaky. Like even if something happens when you're on a ghost hunt, you can't prove it. And the fun of going to a public or a semi-public place and doing something so fringe basically lets you meet other people who are into other weird shit. Because if you and somebody else are both both on a ghost hunt, like it is 100% guaranteed both of you are gonna have other weird shit you're right, doing right. in your life otherwise. Like whoever that person is, they're gonna have one of the weirdest fucking hobbies yeah. besides ghost hunting. Exactly, I've met more crazy people ghost hunting that I just love. Like the quality of people you meet, go 
this hunting is totally different than anything else. But okay, so here's my here's my parallel I was going to draw in talking about this is that if you are into paranormal stuff and you do a ghost hunt, then you will hear that a particular location has paranormal activity regularly. Yeah. And you go to the one particular location and it seems like the odds are better. But when you're doing Bigfoot hunting, like Bigfoot sightings are so few and far between in comparison to seeing UFOs or aliens. Like, where are you going to go? You just pick a spot. Or you'd be like, oh, I heard they got some Bigfoots down in Hocking Hills. Where? It's huge. It's huge. Just walking through one acre of forest. One acre of like medium density temperate forest, right? right? Not the jungle, just regular old American forest. Walking through an acre of it and covering it and looking around and looking on the forest floor for shit and disturbances and looking at the trees, looking for broken branches and stuff. You know, it would take you a long time to go through just an acre. Right. And when you're talking about hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of acres, especially in some of these spots that are known to have Bigfoot populations. Right. It is very difficult. Before we get too deep into talking about the specifics, Natalie, tell me exactly what is Bigfoot? Bigfoot, also called Sasquatch, Yeti, Skunk Ape, Grassman, Woodbooger, Swamp or Lake Monster, and other local names is a primate creature which may inhabit the forest areas of North America. Creatures with similar descriptions have been noted in all other populated regions in the world, which is one of the details I find interesting. Like, to me, that is a tick in the column for maybe there's something to it, because everybody says that they see it. And this is one of the reasons why Bigfoot is compelling to me. It is very easy to run down a list of reasons. And if you go to Wiki or you go to any sort of mainstream news and there's an article about Bigfoot, they will start by saying the farcical ape Bigfoot, which has never been seen and is only known by idiots. <laughs> They will start, they always word things. And the more you think about the way that the context of something is carried out, the more that you understand who the news actually serves. Now, if the news reports that an event happened, then an event happened. But the news selects which events it reports on. Right. The news also provides context for the report, and you may read the text of a news report, and you do not hear the newscaster's tone, and you don't see the images that they show on the screen during the newscast. For example, anytime there is a protest because there's an act committed by the government or an agent of the government which is endangering the people, when there are armed gangs on the street, who can, you know, kill people and they go to court and the court lets them go and they go right back out on the street in their little blue cars, right? right? When there are protests against this, the news will show shop windows that are broken. The news will go and interview the shop owners and the shop owner will say, this sucks, I got glass all over my stuff. They present everything in this context. And so there was a rush of Bigfoot coverage in the 70s. The 70s was like such a funky decade 
decade because I think that this is really when TV news started to, to get concatenated and sort of become a, a collimated beam of information. Right, right. And you would get national news stories that would start getting syndicated everywhere, right? I mean, there was national news prior to this, but, you know, there was a trucking craze in the 70s. People all got CB radios and they talked on the CBs. There was a trucking craze and likewise, there was a Bigfoot craze in the 70s. People talked about Bigfoot. People went out hunting for Bigfoot. It was like a little hobby thing. It was a fad and then it was over. And then in their course of describing it, they say it's a fad. And then, you know, people go out into the woods and drink and holler and they don't find Bigfoot. And so the next news story is, remember that Bigfoot fad? Well, nobody ever found Bigfoot. Right, right. But every culture across the world has stories of human and hominid giants. Right, right. And so generally speaking, Bigfoot is a bipedal ape and he's hairy and he's between six and nine feet tall. Now we were talking about this earlier and the nine foot Bigfoot is really the one you're looking for. Right. I would be really insanely disappointed if I saw a Bigfoot and it was the same height as me, like a five foot eight Bigfoot. <laughs> Just wandering around, can't reach shit in the trees. Right, right. <laughs> I can, I can push him over. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking they got to have high centers of gravity. I think they have long torsos, short legs. I think they carry a lot of weight in their upper bodies. Probably, right. If I had to guess, even though they're bipedal. Right. I think I can knock one over. So, what is the Bigfoot evidence that we have? So. The reason one would think that we have a Bigfoot, the, in my opinion, the main headline is that almost every culture in the world has a history of human-like giant animals in their folk history. And so we're talking the hairy man. Right. Like the yetis, yetis are like in the Himalayas and stuff, aren't they? Yeah. There are Chinese myths and folk tales of human giants. There are similar tales of hairy people in the mountains. Mm -hmm. There's the yetis. Mm -hmm. There are aboriginal tales in Australia of the same kind of people around, that there used to be these giant people and they were very hairy and all this. There's similar stuff here in North America. There's similar stuff in South America and Europe. It's, right. it's all over the place. Right. I actually watched a video of some guy from one of the Bigfoot TV shows interviewing someone in South America who had seen a Bigfoot and the guy was like, oh yeah, I saw him and this Bigfoot was trying to get into some kind of crate or cage or something that was in their yard. And they were like shaking it around and he's like, oh, and then Bigfoot turned around and I could tell it was the lady because she had boobs. <laughs> and then he said he made a whooping noise, like the, the Bigfoot made a whooping noise and the guy was like, how often do you hear that noise? And he's like, oh, all the time. I think we got a bunch of them around here. Oh, wow. So first of all, Big they had a different name for it. They didn't call it Bigfoot. They had some other name for it. I forgot which what it was though. Big boobs foot. Right, big boobs foot. <laughs> So when people are talking about Bigfoot and they say, I want to hunt Bigfoot, I believe Bigfoot is real. What is what is the evidence most people are citing? Um, 1967, the most famous piece of Bigfoot evidence is the Patterson film, which is what everyone has seen, which is nearly a minute of a Bigfoot who is walking through Bluff Creek in Northern California. And so what you've got is a very human looking creature. It's a bipedal ape. It's 
taking what seems to be really long strides right. when you watch the film and the characteristic element of the Patterson film, at least to me, is midway through Bigfoot turns around and looks over his shoulder and then turns back and continues walking. Right, right. I think what is interesting about the Patterson film is when I was researching the Patterson film before, people were talking about how the way that the Bigfoot looked in 1967, they wouldn't have had like the costuming technology to make something that was so seamless and that had like visible musculature. Cause it's like when the Bigfoot turns around, it has like a, like a donk. Like it has like, you can see its butt muscles. It's like, it, it's not just like a gorilla suit. It doesn't look like a Muppet. Right. It right. doesn't look like Rolf from the Muppets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Indigenous Americans have talked about Bigfoot forever. The Hoopa people of Northern California, which is the same place where I took that Patterson film. Mm-hmm. The Hoopa people talk about Bigfoot in these laws that they have where they are discussing how they are supposed to live in harmony with nature. And so one of the animals that they have to live in harmony with is the Bigfoot. And you would imagine that the indigenous people, if they are passing down this knowledge, you know, I don't know much about the Hoopa culture specifically, but I know indigenous Americans had a strong oral tradition and this stuff was passed down and it was very strongly reinforced because they were not a culture that wrote things down. Right, right. You know, it, as best I know, they weren't at least. And so if they're saying, look, you got to hunt the deer, you got to catch the fish, you got to be nice to Bigfoot. Like if you're listing six or seven animals and Bigfoot is one of them, that features very prominently. Right, right. You wouldn't ask people to remember something for generations and generations and generations. Like, they wouldn't make a list of six animals that were not real if they were going to take the time to teach people about how to interact with them properly. Yeah, and you'll also note that they did not say, man has to live in harmony with nature, we have to respect the elk, we have to respect the black bear, and we have to respect the Fresno nightcrawler. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, there are other tribes that describe Sasquatch as being the wild man of the woods or giant hairy apes or mountain devils. And there were pioneers in the American West who said that they saw Bigfoot. Okay. So this is like a long time ago. One thing that I'm thinking already is that when there were fewer people... Bigfoot is going to be able to be out and about. Bigfoot is going to be roaming everywhere. And seeing one American human in the woods, if you're a Bigfoot, is not threatening. So you might get closer to a Bigfoot if there's no industrial activity. Right. Today, even if you're saying, okay, I'm going to go to this remote place. I'm going to go up in the Pacific Northwest. I'm going to go to like Eastern Washington, right? I'm going to go to Montana. I'm going to go to Oregon. Mm -hmm. Because these are like the places where if you go Bigfoot hunting or Bigfoot spotting, whatever you want to call it, that's where you go. Right. Even out there, you've got like industrial logging. You've got roads going everywhere with trucks. You've got planes right. flying overhead. The scene is a lot different now than when Lewis and Clark were shitting their way to the West Coast. Right, right. Well, and that also brings up like what I was going to mention before, which is that to me, going out and looking for Bigfoot seems like such a fruitless activity because we live in central Ohio. And so we know that, for example, we have skunks 
in the neighborhood. In yeah. fact, that people say that we have skunk problems because they skunk dogs and stuff all the time. But if I sent you out with a camera and said, you have five hours to find a skunk, would you be able to find one? Like, I... animals don't want to be interacting with us. Like, even the ones that are everywhere, that we know are everywhere. Like, go outside and find a robin and take a picture of it. Like, the robin doesn't want to fuck with you. Like, he's going to fly away as soon as he sees you. And I don't think that Bigfoot would be any different. I think that if we're talking about a hominid that lives in the woods in isolation, and if we're talking about an animal that could be up to or maybe smarter than humans, that animal is going to have all of the capabilities of essentially a wild animal that lives in the woods and has, you know, great hearing, mm -hmm. great smell. Mm -hmm. If you live in nature your whole life, I think you're gonna be attuned to this kind of stuff and you're probably gonna be able to sense disturbances in the forest. Right. And you're probably, if you are Bigfoot, you have to be imbued with this knowledge that you can't come close to humans or they're gonna shoot you, capture you. Right. Right? They're going to take pictures and geotag where they found you, and they're going to push you off your fucking land. All this. And also, like, if you are going to walk around in the woods, you are a lily-white city boy. You are not, like, a mountaineer or someone who can go out and just, like, go everywhere. Like, you're going to have to stay on trails because you have, like, the ankles of a 21st century human. You right. have the knees yeah. of a 21st century human. You have to stay on trails. You have to stay, like, on areas which are kind of made for you to be able to be in the woods. And a wild animal in the woods is going to be in the deepest areas of the woods that you are not going to be able to access either because there is no way for you to do it comfortably without injuring yourself or you're going to be so far off the beaten trail that it is not safe for you to go out there by yourself. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about walking through a forest, I can cover five miles pretty handily in, you know, 75, 80 minutes. Right. Because I am used to walking on flat pavement. If you say go five miles up this mountain in the forest, it might take me, instead of 15 minutes for a mile, it might take me an hour right. to right. go a mile. Right. And so I think most people that are going to go out looking for Bigfoot are at a severe disadvantage to the monster itself. Right. I mean, Bigfoot's not going to be like sticking to the trails. In fact, <laughs> if there's trails, Bigfoot probably knows where the trails are and he's like, don't get anywhere near those trails. I don't think so, guys. Right. Yeah. That's where all the people are always walking around. No, thank you. But there are many reasons and much evidence that would imply that Bigfoot is not real. Yeah. Bigfoot is probably the most debunked of any cryptid far and away. Right. And Bigfoot, unfortunately has probably been the cryptid that has had the most hoaxes committed against it. Right, because people can make a little wooden foot and stick it in the mud and be like, look at the Bigfoot track. I want to be on the news. Or you can get a little monkey suit or whatever. You know, there's a million different things you can do to do a little Bigfoot hoax. And I honestly, I think it's human nature. I don't think that this necessarily means that Bigfoot doesn't exist. It's human nature. So when you're a kid and you start to get to that age, where you start thinking music is cool, right? Music is cool, and you listen to music, and you get the thought, you say, I wish I could make cool music, and either on your own, or you have a supportive parent, or teacher, mentor, whatever, you say, I want to start making music, and so you start saving up to get a guitar, a drum machine, and then
then once you get it, you teach yourself how to do it or you get lessons or whatever. You are interested in something and then you want to participate in it yourself. You want to go from consumer to creator. Right. This is something very many people do. In fact, I think the first friend I had where I was friends with this person and they were really into cryptids and they liked uh, talking about them and reading about them. I was not interested at all at the time, but I remember they told me, oh, I'm going to make up my own and I'm going to start this hoax. And I was like, well, why? <laughs> like, if you're interested in it, if you think it's real, why would you start a hoax? And, you know, of course there was no reasoning. There wasn't any critical thought that went into this because this was like a very selfish thing to do, especially if you're involved in a community where people are trying to figure out what's going on. Right. So obviously, yeah, that's a shitty thing to do. But I think it's basic. It's like a basic behavioral process to go from being interested in something to wanting to be involved. I think it's an ego thing where people will get involved in a scene and they feel like they spend so much time thinking about it or participating in it that they want some of the attention that everyone gives to other people or other sources of information. They want that attention focused on them. Yeah. And so they have to have something that is better evidence, more outlandish, totally crazy, just so they can get all of the eyes on them. And, you know, that doesn't serve the field that well, right? It kind of makes me think of, like, people who go to school to be scientists and then they get out of college and they start doing research and they do, like, bullshit studies like the autism vaccine study or whatever. Like, there are scientists who will do wackadoo shit just so they get their studies in the news cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even that there are some people who join communities where they look at paranormal activity or they look at extraterrestrials or they look at cryptids and they go in wanting to have fun and wanting to connect with other people. That's their goal. And maybe they go in and they feel like somebody else made up something. Right. They feel like maybe they don't even have any interest in, in that thing being real. They're just there for the party. Right. Right. And so they don't see anything wrong with making up their own thing and leading everybody else on a goose chase. Right, right. So I'll tell you what my biggest thing with Sasquatch is. If Sasquatch is a corporeal animal that exists on the material plane and lives in the woods in the Pacific Northwest or in the Himalayas or in Australia or in South America or wherever, and they are so huge and people all over the world have seen them, why has nobody ever found a dead Bigfoot? That is, to me, the biggest question. It is the biggest issue for me, and it is the thing that stands in the way of me believing that Bigfoot is real. Like, why has no one found a bone? Why has no one found a skull? Because it would have a skull that looked different than a human skull. It would have a pelvis that would look different than a human pelvis. We don't even need to find a whole one. We could just find a part of one. If you found a hominid femur that was a foot longer than a human's femur, that would be a monumental discovery. Right, right. And all you'd have to do is take it down to the college and be like, yo, what the heck? And they could do a DNA test on it and they'd be like, this is not human. That would be all I would need to see. Show me something that anyone has found that looks like it came from a hominid that died like in the last like 10 or 15 or 50 years and it's not human. And I think it's important to note that this is something where if you were saying that you think Bigfoot is an animal that walks around outside in three dimensions. Right, right. 
that this would be important well, evidence for you to have. Well, I prefaced it by saying yes. that. I prefaced yes. it by saying if we are talking about Bigfoot in the absolute most boring potential reality of Bigfoot, that Bigfoot is an animal that we have not cataloged yet. Yeah, if Bigfoot is in the same world as uh, Starbucks and shoe insoles, right. then the evidence, the positive evidence is slim. Show me the body. <laughs> and of course, the evidence of people who are creating Bigfoot hoaxes, it's just a very low-lying fruit. And I think that since Bigfoot is so human-like, it is just very easy for somebody to come up with a way of creating a fake Bigfoot. Right, right. So in 1958, there was a guy named Ray Wallace who had a pair of human foot models that were 16 inches long made and he would use them to leave tracks around logging camps and like places where people were doing logging to prank his buddies and the story of the footprints started spreading around and he loved all the attention he was just sucking it up yeah and so he kept on creating more to the hoax and making bigfoot noises and filing false reports and this and that and that is what was the beginning of the Bigfoot thing. That is when they started calling him Bigfoot. Oh, so before that he was just Sasquatch. Sasquatch or whatever, right? And so from the beginning, the Bigfoot scene has been all about people hoaxing. Okay. There was a study in 2013 that claimed to identify Sasquatch hair samples that was published in a fake scientific journal and that turned out to be a hoax. No other researchers who were like, let me do a control. Let me test it too. Let me repeat what you did and see if I get the same results, right? Yeah, on the same samples, yeah. They never were able to get access to the hair samples. No one was ever able to verify it. No one ever showed anything. It was just a total no-go. All right. It, it seems <laughs> it seems like such an amount of work. Right. But- what satisfaction do you get from that? All you do is just wear down people's sensitivity to when you talk. Like, if you just keep on running your mouth and saying more and more and more bullshit, if you ever do find a Bigfoot, no one's even going to pay attention to you. Yeah, and I'm even going to qualify this by saying I will absolutely, 100% of the time, give false statements to reporters. It's legal, and when reporters will create a narrative about you without your permission or approval before printing it in a major, maybe a national news source... You do what you want to do, and you do what you have to do to get the story on you to be what you want it to be. But lying about yourself and controlling the narrative on yourself when the media is seeking to paint a picture of you that doesn't represent you is different from falsifying anthropological information on something that may be a lost species of human. Right, right. In 2014, researchers at the University of Oxford analyzed 57 hair samples that were anomalous. And people were like, maybe these are Bigfoot, right? They came from all over the world and they cleaned them to remove foreign DNA. They cleaned them to make sure that no one else's DNA got on it. And they found that all of the samples were hair. Some of them were plant or mineral fibers. And all of them had RNA matches to known species like bears or horses or dogs or other animals. Like none of them were anything weird at all. So that was like the other big study that they did that was the most reputable. They found nothing. Did they test every kind of hair in the world? No, they only had 57 samples of weird hair, but what are you going to do? So this leads me to something that I think is very important that we've already hinted at. 
So Bigfoot doesn't seem to physically exist. Right. If Bigfoot does physically exist, it has done so in such a limited and hidden fashion, it may be impossible to find Bigfoot. However, the stories of Bigfoot going back millennia in history are everywhere. Right. The specifics of the stories about Bigfoot seem to line up through time across space, different countries, different continents. People who don't even speak English right. are giving the same stories of people in Oregon who saw Bigfoot. So to me, this hints at Bigfoot being extra dimensional, right. extraterrestrial, or non-corporeal in the sense that Bigfoot may be only appearing in your consciousness. Right, exactly. So these are the questions that pop up with Bigfoot. When you're faced with the actual evidence, then you either have to be like, he is not real, or you have to crack your mind open a little farther. You have to open the sides of the box and right. ask yourself what exists outside of it. Right. So one idea is that Bigfoot is a ghost of mm -hmm. a caveman or a Neanderthal or some ancient human species that was still naked and hairy. And so what you're seeing is a ghost. That's pretty compelling to me because nobody's ever reported touching Bigfoot, not even Bigfoot's boobs. Right. And what you always hear in the Bigfoot stories is that somebody sees Bigfoot and then often people report that Bigfoot is looking at them. Right. <laughs> Bigfoot is staring at them and has these human-like eyes. In more than one report I've seen of somebody claiming to have seen Bigfoot, they basically said the appearance and the vibe I got from this was so shocking and so threatening to me that I could not make eye contact with Bigfoot. He made eye contact with me and I like averted my gaze. And by the time I got the stones to look up to see where Bigfoot was, Bigfoot was gone. Right. And so there's a very ghost-like aspect to these interactions. Right. You're like, ah! <laughs> right. <laughs> but the, the idea of it being deeply threatening. I mean, if I see a bear going through my trash, I'm staring at that son of a bitch. Right. Right? If I see something weird happening on the street, I'm staring at it. I did. Now, I've been walking several miles every day all summer. I'm not a, a marathon walker or anything. I just walk a few miles a day. I saw two skunks, right? Every time I saw the skunk, I kept the flashlight on it because they only really come out at night. Right. And I made sure I stayed away from him and I watched him run all the way away, right? Uh-huh. I have never run into anything in the wild. And again, I live in Ohio in the city, so I don't run up against anything crazy. But even big ass deer, you know, weird humans on the street, you see them, you might get threatened by a big animal, you might get threatened by a weird guy, but you don't feel so scared and threatened that you like refuse to look at them. Well, maybe that is like part of your animal brain when you're faced with some organism that could clearly overpower you. Like, a deer is not going to do anything to you. A skunk isn't going to do anything to you. But facing something that is so much more powerful than you are, and then having it lock eyes with you, perhaps your immediate reaction to that would be to look away, so to hide. Now, I'm not trying to wrap this up to my ghost story, but the one time I saw a ghost, my response when it made eye contact with me was to look the fuck away. That's exactly what I was thinking about, yeah. Like, I saw the ghost, and he made eye contact with me, and I, I was like, I'm just going to pretend I'm asleep. I do not see it. I don't see you. I'm going to give you this out. I don't see you. Just go. Fuck along. We are not engaging right now. <laughs> 
And so ghost in this sense, Natalie, you said you don't believe in intelligent hauntings, which makes a lot of sense to me. But when you say ghost, you're talking about something that could cause a projection through time. Right. You know, whether it's uh, geomagnetic or there's something happening in some other dimension, you know, we don't have enough time to get into what right. all of those options could be. But essentially, you could have something happen where you have a projection or you have something appear that is from another place or time. Right. It's plausible in as much as anything is possible. And the fact that you've actually seen a ghost that then you found out later was actually a guy who used to live in the house that you had no prior knowledge of seems to speak to like geomagnetic. Right, right. Some kind of space-time anomaly, something right. like that. Right, and in that experience, if at the time I knew I was looking at a ghost because it was not clear who was in my room when I saw this guy. You just thought it was a guy. I just thought it was a man in my room. If I knew when I saw him that I was seeing a ghost, I don't think I could have been like, hey man, and tried to talk to him and had him talk to me. I don't think he would have talked to me. I don't think we could have interacted like that. I think I was seeing a projection of something that happened in my room and it just so happened that it was lined up in such a way they seemed like he made eye contact with me, but I don't think he did. I don't think that he saw me. I don't think that we were interacting in that way, right? And so I think it's possible maybe that's what's happening with Bigfoot. I think that seems plausible. There are too many stories of Bigfoot going back too far, described by too many people for it to actually be nothing at all. Right. Here's another theory that I have, or whoever has. I'm sure it's not me who came up with this, but here's another theory. What if Bigfoot is an avatar used by aliens or some other entities to go out into the world? <laughs> I like that one. I like that because... You could imagine that even if they created us, even if they know intimately what we look like and they know the entire genome of everybody's DNA, that the details that are apparent to us that separate Bigfoot from us to the aliens, they might have made a Bigfoot and it might have been close enough. They're like, yeah, it looks like one of those guys. I think this was a tweet I saw. I don't recall the specifics of it, but it was definitely uh, something like a tweet. And someone had posited that they were like, the existence of the Uncanny Valley implies that at some point in our past, there was humanoids walking around who were not human and that we needed to watch out for them. Yeah, the idea is that there's something that looks human, but not quite. And so we developed the ability to distinguish between them. Right. So what if Bigfoot is an alien drone that was created when aliens started making humans, like back in the beginning of mm -hmm. time? Back when humans were naked, hairy guys, aliens made these drones to check up on their guys, right? They're like, let's get to Bigfoot and we'll remote control them around and see what's going on with our little project. And they've just never updated the drones. Well, I mean, we haven't been updated that much in the past tens of thousands of years, so they really didn't figure they had to upgrade their Bigfoots. Right, and so what if that is what's going on? And that is what we've been trying to avoid with this uncanny valley shit. I really like that idea. And also, if Bigfoot is just an avatar, whether it's a physical avatar, in which case that explains why there's no Bigfoot bones, it's just because it's a Bigfoot robot. Right. If it is, you know, extra dimensional, then there's no bones because the Bigfoot just goes back through the fourth dimension. Right. To whatever time and place it wants. And if you consider that 
time is only linear in the way that we experience it and that you know theoretically if, if you look at what is happening from a physics standpoint time is not necessarily linear you can probably move through time right right, right. Uh -huh. so the aliens may be still chilling in 1 million ad or the aliens may be chilling in negative 1 million they may be in 1 million bc before anybody showed up and they may be just sending this shit through the future right here's another idea I'm just spitballing here. What if Bigfoots are tulpas that were created by stories of Bigfoot and ancient peoples having like ceremonial garb that was hairy and stuff like the creating archetypes in the human mind of hairy beings and then the stories that go along with them creating a tulpa that then people see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Prehistoric people and indigenous people wear fur, right? Right. Very many of them wear furs. So you've got essentially these hairy people and it's it would be very possible for people to dress up in furs and retell this story and create imagery so vivid in people's minds that the power created by this in their consciousness may have created something. Right, right. What if there was a deep-seated fear in the human mind dating back from when we started becoming civilized where we have a fear of undomesticated humans? I think that's possible as well. I imagine as civilization was starting to kick off, there may have been some guys who were like, no, thank you, and those guys are probably scary as shit. Oh, there's absolutely some guys that are like, no, thank you. I have a fair amount of no thank you. <laughs> You're pretty hairy too. Think about it. <laughs> I was just talking today with the buddy about his smart lights. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, did you get the kind where you have to flick the lights on and off like eight times in sequence and like do this specific thing? And he was like, no, no, that's only if you, <laughs> that's only if you can't connect to it through Wi-Fi. That's <laughs> <laughs> for the pores. But I am absolutely like, no thank you, no civilization for me. If that's where we're going, I'll be the hairy guy. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so here's the theory also. Is Bigfoot the Hindu god Hanuman? Now there's a fucking question. So Hanuman is described in Hindu texts as being like a primate and having body hair and superhuman speed and the ability to evade capture. Which Bigfoot is noted as having. Uh -huh. yeah. He was the leader of the monkey god armies who fought the Rakshasas, who were the enemies of the gods, right? Mm -hmm. And there are people in Sri Lanka who claim to have found footprints of Hanuman, which are like big footprints. They look just like the North American big footprints. Now, all of this just ties together. I think it can be easily described. Any occurrence where a god or a demigod or an angel or a demon has come to Earth, it is very easy to say, well, that clearly could have been an alien. There's no case where there has been something heavenly uh -huh. or something that is holy that could not be viewed, at least in one way, as being extraterrestrial. Absolutely. This is not to degrade anybody's religion because if it's not from this planet, it's not from this planet. It's crazy. It's different. It is holy, right? Right. And whether it's the aliens that made us or some kind of divine creator from another planet, well, that sounds like an alien to me. Right. <laughs> but the fact that there is specifically a god that looks like a Bigfoot and controlled the monkeys. Yeah, the monkey god. <laughs> 
There are a lot of gods in Hinduism, but one that exists and looks quite like Bigfoot and coincides with a Sri Lankan legend of Sasquatches being on the island. Right, right. So here's another thing to think about. What if Bigfoot is appearing in areas where there are geomagnetic anomalies, or maybe Bigfoot is appearing in areas that have entries into underground, like, like reptilian stuff, right? Maybe that is where they are going. I think that's possible. You take something like Mammoth Cave, mm -hmm. which is near the Appalachian Mountains. This is in Southern Kentucky, right? And it stretches all over, stretches all over. But you will get reports of the Hopkinsville Goblin down there. Right, right. You'll get reports of little troll creatures. There's all kinds of shit. And it happens so much. And so many people see it that it's just like the Navy pilots reporting the goddamn UFOs. Right. You can ask 10 people walking down the street and you know six or seven of them will either say i saw it or my mom saw it <laughs> right exactly exactly so before we get to the wrap-up where we decide how we feel about this in preparing for this conversation i was doing a little bigfoot research myself and so i wanted to tell you how it is possible that bigfoot did the diet love pass really <laughs> I found people talking about how Bigfoot did the Dyatlov Pass. So just for some background, <laughs> the, uh, the Dyatlov Pass incident, Natalie. It was like eight or nine campers, hikers in Russia or Soviet Union, whatever it was back then. They were all like hiking around, having a great time. They're like young kids, right? Hiking around, doing their thing, like college students or something. And they were camping. And then they're like, oh, what happens to these kids? And they went and they're all like ripped to bits, like naked, had their tongues ripped out, all kinds of crazy stuff. So these were hikers in, I think, the Ural Mountains. Yeah. And it probably would have been the Soviet Union at the time. They went and camped. Nobody heard from them. And they had blunt force trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had blunt force trauma. They were naked. It was like, you wouldn't think that because they were camping in the snow. They had, like, some of them had, like, really strange injuries, like, grotesque injuries. And so you would think you would think the easy explanation for that would be hypothermia. Right. Right. Naked in the snow is a pretty clear-cut hypothermia. So where does Bigfoot come in? Because he went in there and he tore up their camp and he gave all those guys blunt force trauma and ripped people apart. And then he bounced like you would expect Bigfoot to do. Yeah, that's his number one thing is getting out of town. <laughs> right, right. Bigfoot never sticks around. Right. I just like the concept. I don't think it was true. I don't think that that's what happened to those guys. But I liked the parallels between like Bigfoot did Diat Love Pass and like Bush did 9-11. I think... <laughs> I think if we work, we can tie Bigfoot to some major things. You think Bigfoot did 9-11? I think we can tie it in. If you've got that link. We'll get there. If you've got that link, <laughs> let us know. And hey, so Natalie and I have given you the evidence. We've thought about the evidence. We've researched. And I swear to God, we read writing on this. We didn't just fucking watch TikTok. We actually researched it. I, I watched the TikTok too, though. <laughs> And so we're going to score this from one to 10, one, not at all believable, 10, absolutely, completely real. And before we dig in, hit up patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity. Give us your score based on the evidence. Is Bigfoot real? What do you think? I'm going to go with six out of 10. And the reason I'm going to go with six out of 10, number one, this is embedded in what everybody knows around the world, whether it is... Uh, 
something like Jung's collective unconscious, whether it is some sort of gene-based memory, whether it is something that is so embedded in the culture at a subconscious level that everybody has this awareness, this permeates human culture on Earth to the point where indigenous cultures are like, respect Bigfoot, please. Right. I also feel like this, more than just about anything else we've covered, has an extremely heavy-handed psyop effect right. to it. Right. I do think that there's a pipeline of people getting interested in cryptids and then wanting to be involved in cryptids to the point of making their own. I do think there are some psychological type mechanisms that go into that, but I really think that this is maybe on the level of you've got these guys from the Navy, the Department of Defense saying there's shit about aliens that we can't tell people because people would lose their mind. Right, right. And I think this is on the same level. Whatever Bigfoot is, it's not an animal in the woods, okay? It's either aliens operating this shit like a drone. Yeah. It is a tulpa created by everybody's collective awareness of Bigfoot that is manifesting it, not in the physical plane, but in all of our consciousnesses. Or it is something that is existing in another place and time and is manifesting in ours. Right. I think that all of these factors combined would lead governments or non-governmental agencies or the World Economic Forum to come up with a plan to have some guys very clumsily falsify Bigfoot evidence so they can say, Psh, that's not <laughs> real. That's a guy named Ray. He had some big feet. <laughs> Yeah. That hair, that's bear hair. <laughs> you can believe us, we're the FBI. Right, right. And so I think this is very heavy handed. It's on the level of folks throwing hubcaps in the air, taking a picture and saying UFOs aren't real. Right. Okay. There's There would be no reason to suppress it to such an extent if it wasn't real. Right. Okay. I'm going to give this a solid five. Okay. I'm going to camp out on the fence. I feel like last time we talked about Bigfoot, I was more in the camp where I was like, I don't think Bigfoot's real. Now I'm going to say I'm going to go ahead and be a fence sitter about it. I don't think it's likely that it's an animal that is out in the wild because we would have found something. Like we have dodos, right? Yeah. <laughs> like we have all kinds of specimens of animals that are extinct. Animals that were like endangered and that you couldn't find them anywhere. We have samples of these animals, but to have something so huge that we don't have a sample of is very unlikely to me. But on the other hand, I do believe in interdimensional beings. I do believe in aliens. I do believe in like electromagnetic anomalies that would cause you to be able to catch glimpses of things that are happening in a different time. Mm -hmm. All of those things I believe are true. And because I believe those things are true, I think that they could be vehicles for a Bigfoot sighting. So I would say I'm a five. I really hope someday someone can prove to me that Bigfoot is real. That would be great. I, I'm i going to say five, though. That's pretty solid. Pop into the Discord, patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity. Let us know how real you think Bigfoot is. We've given our scores. Do you know who knows exactly how real Bigfoot is? Corey Grella, she lives in Alaska. I bet you they get a lot of Bigfoot sightings up there. If there's going to be one place where Bigfoot is going to have plenty of room to hide, maybe a climate that BF likes. Right. 
that's going to be Alaska. Huge swaths of untouched wilderness. If you think you're in danger in your little patch of woods, imagine how much danger you're going to be in Alaska if you don't have life insurance. Right. But you know where else there is danger in the woods? Where's that? Harlem Township. And why is that? Because there's no one there. There's like 35 people who live there. It's pretty isolated. There could be anything out there, especially at night. Right. And there are Bigfoots in central Ohio. There have been recorded Bigfoot sightings in central Ohio. Absolutely true. In Harlem Township, is a place where, hey, if Bigfoot wants to get away from people and enjoy some rest, relaxation, and the best of what Delaware County has to offer, that's where he's going to be. Right. He's already there, probably. So listen again. If you haven't already, hop on the Patreon, hop on the Discord, let us know what you think. Thank you for listening, and remember, everything is real. I love you. Goodbye.